My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And my name is Merrick Egber. This is the official podcast of the Ellis for Autism Foundation for Autism. We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name, and Merrick and I are both terrible golfers. But we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism. But I'm not on the podcast. I'm a member of our growing research team. And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm an administrative assistant filling in the gaps of each department like Lou. I'm also autistic. This is our 29th episode of the podcast, Brothers and Sisters, featuring Samantha Ells with Sam Sid Stick Together and Jesse and Paul Morris, the latter of whom sits our, on our advisory board. What we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews or feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, we also have our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we posit the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also, check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all of you for autism fans. So we're going to start with some news and updates about the foundation. Tune into episode 28 to listen to our interviews with our rec coordinator, Greg Connors, and our advisory board member, Adam Jones. They talk about being active, working with your passion, the importance of recreational activities, and some of our important initiatives surrounding the game of golf. Make sure to also listen to the rest of the program to get an idea of what we were doing as a foundation during that time. Learn something new about the autism community for our Today in the World of Autism segment. This month, we are going to start to promote the Rides Far for Autism Research Campaign by the Autism Science Foundation. We have had ties with ASF before due to their support for Sam Sid's Stick Together, and one of our advisory board members, Paul Morris, being such an instrumental figure in the campaign itself. Rise Far takes place in a few major cities, and it's basically a walk-a-thon to raise money for further research into autism. Because of their important mission, I decided to write an article of answers provided by the ASF community manager that ties everything together. Now, when I was younger, it was easier to find data on marriages that didn't work. It can also be easier to find the marriage that doesn't work if the child has a disability, which is very unfortunate. In my family, though, the marriage has worked, and on the 16th of this month, my parents celebrated their 41st anniversary being married to one another. My mother loves French food, so we all went over to Pesce in downtown West Palm Beach to celebrate. And I gave my parents a sea of possibilities, B-steam heart, with two turtles on the sand representing them. Not saying that... Uh, Anything about it is uh, is to imply that they are slow or that they are uh, pretty much just sticking to the same thing or anything like that, but that they are pure of heart and they have a lot of uh, protective armor on them because they are uh, <clears throat> they they are very very bonded together. Okay, so um, also, I, I know a very strange description to be using. I probably should have just stopped there. <laughs> I think you navigated the seas pretty smoothly there, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that definitely uh, navigated there pretty much. And uh, also to represent another new milestone in my... Uh, Family, on Thursday, August 25th, my father turned 67 years old. And what I like to ask my co-host is, because I don't believe I've ever revealed my age on this podcast, Nate, how old do you think I am? Oh, I'm going to have to say 29. Well, I am actually uh, 14 years of age. I just have a very deep voice for being 14 years of age. <laughs> oh, boy. I knew you were a, a boy genius. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to think about any media boy geniuses that I can think of right now. And all I can think about is that cartoon character from the late 90s, uh, Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. And I can't <laughs> even do his voice. It just raving and ranting about his uh, sister, I believe bigger sister, Dee Dee, 
<laughs> and how she does and how she ruins things and everything. And he's just like, you don't appreciate my inventions. But yeah, <laughs> anyone who actually uh, grew up in with that cartoon would know what I'm talking about. Um, so are you actually going to reveal the age or was this, uh, was this just a tease for the listeners? Well, I actually should not tease the listeners right now because we don't exactly have the infrastructure to afford the tagline for the program. So I'm not exactly <laughs> going to have like coming soon, you will hear Merrick's real age. No, instead, <laughs> I'm just going to reveal it right now. I am uh, actually uh, 36 years of age. So I, I am quite uh, a, a quite a wise individual, if I do may say so myself. But I have the uh, actual added bonus of also being youthful. That's right, talent and good looks. Yeah, and a big partier. Uh, that's actually a joke. Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, my father, yeah. As I said, my father, he turned 67 years old, and I can only imagine being that age myself. I can only imagine us doing this when we're in our late 60s. Maybe uh, by then our jokes will be a little bit better. By then we'll have to do a few anniversary uh, specials. Your dad's jokes are hilarious. And on that note, you know, I would... uh, like to wish Mitchell uh, a happy pending birthday and also very happy anniversary to your parents, Mitchell and Debbie. Uh, they are awesome people, and I hope that they hear this message. I hope that they're tuning into our broadcast here. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to get some call letters up there so uh, people can recognize us more easily. Um, I'm not, I don't even know, A-U-T-I-M, A-U-T-I-S-M, or W-A-U-T-I-S-M. Yeah, I can see that. So, uh, back to the updates and uh, news, uh, what's going on at the foundation. Earlier this month, our two charter schools, TLC, the Learning Center, which educates kids from Freedom Middle School, and TLA, the Learning Academy, which educates kids from high school, reopened for a new semester of students. TLC and TLA are tuition-free public charter schools that work with children who have autism for whatever it may be that they would be striving for. Both schools are available on our Center of Excellence campus, and the links to both will be on our notes. Then we also have the time to embrace the fall season with a new selection of sports and arts programs which all started the week of August the 22nd. Such familiar programs like dance, golf, tennis, and yoga will continue. We have also added a fitness curriculum as part of our Game On initiative, which seeks to incorporate our tested and true principles of Game On Golf and Tennis to Fitness too. Make sure to keep yourself updated with our rec flyer that we have on our website, which advertises any new curriculums we have. Further details will be on our program. And lastly, we have gotten a total of 10 unique nominations for our Autism Spectrum Award. Nominees include Jesse Horn from Buffalo City, Wisconsin, Katie Santoro from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Thomas Island from Santa Clarita, California, Vincent Pendolini from Palm City, Florida, Dr. Carrie Magro from Hoboken, New Jersey, Gayasi Burks-Abbott from Bedford, Massachusetts, Martin Slingstad from San Jose, California, Mike DeMura from Orlando, Florida, Tim Goldstein from Littleton, Colorado, and uh, Nate Shinnock from, uh, no, I'm sorry, I was reading the wrong thing, and Zachary Schmidt from Conway, South Carolina. Thanks to all who have been nominated. You can see all of them on our website. For our program, um, We would like to spotlight siblings' uh, relationships in terms of 
one sibling with autism and one without. So one of our special guest uh, sibling duos for our program are the two brothers, Jesse and Paul Morris. So Jesse Morris is an entrepreneur and investor. He currently serves as general partner at Difference Partners. He was previously general partner at Human Ventures and co-founder of Very. He is an autism advocate and spends time helping families and founders across this category. His brother Paul is what influenced him to become such an advocate for others with autism, and he has written in the past his experiences with his brother, including a TripAdvisor article on visiting New Orleans and an article on how misunderstood someone with autism can really be based on his brother's reunion with someone who he had an affection for. Now, throughout Paul Morris's life of confidence and pride, he has walked to the beat as advocacy, influencing Congress, several major universities, and has had a profound impact on this alma mater, the college internship program in Lee, Massachusetts, all the while raising funds for research on the science of autism. He is also really into athletics, including collegiate programs, we're hoping that he eventually gets to make the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. Welcome to the program, Jesse and Paul Morris. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yes, and, welcome. Sorry. Oh, welcome, guys. Uh, when we, or at least when I heard about your story, I was really thrilled to, to have you guys on the podcast. And uh, just want to say thank you again for joining us. We're happy to be here. Terrific. So I'd like to, to first ask you guys, what are some of the sports and leisurely activities that you enjoy doing together? And how do you feel that these shared interests have helped to strengthen your relationship and grow the bond? Would you like to start, Paul? Um, you can start, Jesse. Oh, thanks. So, uh, Paul and I love sports. Uh, as kids, we watched a lot. <laughs> we watched uh, baseball, we watched basketball, uh, college and the NBA. Uh, we watched golf and tennis. Uh, and we also just played a lot. Paul, uh, as a young guy, was very, very fast. And my parents always used to tell the story that whenever we'd be at a playground or something, we would just kind of run in circles together. And, and uh, I ended up becoming uh, really interested in track and field as I got older. And we laughed that, you know, part of my early training was just running after Paul because he was so fast uh, on those playgrounds. <laughs> uh, but we really today, you know, we, instead of playing sports together, we, we spectate sports together. So once a year, Paul and I go on uh, these college basketball centric trips and uh, Paul, how many times have we been now? Um, we've been doing college basketball trips since the 15, 16 season. All right. So we're coming up on eight, eight years, which is, uh, which is wild. I think we're doing our eighth one uh, this upcoming January. Uh, so we do a lot of that together and it's strengthened our relationship because we have, something to look forward to every single year. We always know that we're going to go to uh, another place to watch a game, to go to a diners, drive-ins and dives restaurant and uh, just really spend this quality time together, which uh, is rare uh, in any siblings, regardless uh, of autism's presence. But we, we really enjoy it. I hate to interject, yeah. by the way, but I think that it is really, really cool that the one interest that brings you both together has to do with sports and athletics because that's all about teamwork and teammanship. So basically, in a way, it's not just Jesse and Paul brothers, but it's Jesse and Paul the team. That's right. We, these, we, these trips actually require us to act as a team because there are a lot of moving pieces. There are flights and there are hotels and there are restaurants we'd like to go to and logistics. We went to um, New Orleans this past year and we decided to go to an LSU basketball game. For those of you that have been to Louisiana, LSU and New Orleans are not that close to each other. It's probably uh, uh, 
hour and a half plus drive each way. And we worked on the logistics of this and decided to do a lot in, in one Saturday. Uh, but it was so, so, so much fun uh, to be there. And, and LSU was awesome. Wasn't it, Polly? It was so much fun. We defeated Mississippi State last season, the LSU men's basketball team, the Tigers. And it's like Shaquille Neal, Pete Maravich, and future NBA players. They got a great team, LSU. Polly Yellow. That's awesome. We also like to go to these bookstores. So when we go to a new university campus, Paul typically will go to a bookstore and, um, and buy a t-shirt or a postcard. And I think the coolest part about these trips and one of the things that has strengthened my relationship with Paul is to, is to see, uh, especially when he buys postcards, every time we go on one of these trips, he is uh, writing a thank you letter or a, a hello note to someone in his life. Uh, which is uh, a reminder to me that I should probably be doing the same thing from time to time. Any and Paul did that un, uh, unprompted or anything like that. He he does it out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, I think he. Paul, what do you do? You do the the postcards because you like it, or is there another reason? Because of the image. That's why. You like the images on the postcard? Yes. And who do you usually send them to? So I save my friend members to not ring one. And some ring one I send to my friends. It's really, really cool. I remember we went to Miami on one of the trips. About We went the first week of March in 2020. If you remember, the second week of March of 2020 was a crazy week for everybody. Uh, we just got this trip in before the pandemic got underway. Uh, but I remember watching just watching Paul in our hotel room uh, concentrate writing these cards. And it was awesome. That's so cool that you take the time to think about other people while you're, you know, on this amazing trip with your brother. So I, I have one follow-up question for you both. I have to ask just because I'm a huge college basketball fan. What's the favorite, what's, each of your favorite arena that you've been in so far? My most favorite arena I like in all the trips. Yeah. I'm going to go with all of them, but my number one favorite stadium I always like, this is a very, very cool one. I like TD Arena in Charleston, South Carolina. Cool. That was cool. Called the College Charleston Cougars from the CA. that, That one was really cool. Uh, I am going to take a cop-out answer because this campus is so beautiful. The arena was nice, but we went to a Pepperdine basketball game in Malibu, California, and that was sweet. That was sweet. The arena was was fun, but the campus was just outstanding. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting choices, guys. I like it. I would have to – I'd have to go with the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, just just because of the atmosphere there, but yeah, we've we've been, we haven't been there, but we've been in some D one games. But I think the some of the smaller schools we liked uh, more. Well, I want to explain the, the teams we did. We did Auburn at Vanderbilt men's basketball, Portland at Pepperdine men's basketball, Santa Clara at San Diego men's basketball, William Mary at Charleston men's basketball, Virginia at my Florida men's basketball. Before last season's Mississippi State at LSU men's basketball after the year wow. of the total pandemic when I vaccinated some boosters. That's a great choice, Paul, the Charleston Arena there. That's a that's a really cool school. It was great. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Um, this is another question for both of you. You'll probably start to notice a theme here. So what is a fun fact about your brother that most people may not know about? And uh, either of you could could start. I'm going to start first. Um, I taught Jesse about, about understanding differences and making friends on our own as self-advocates because one is like being a self-advocate was to share all about people, like civil rights, equal rights, and disability rights, which is a very, very important topic to talk about. 
And what would be a fun fact about me, buddy? What is something that the audience wouldn't know about me that you know? Um, I, I think you learn about my topics that you loved and sharing to each other. And he's a really cool brother. That's why I love Jesse, my 1A brother of all time. Thank you so much. Let's see. The fun fact that I know about Paul is that he does not eat pasta. Okay. <laughs> doesn't eat, doesn't eat pasta. I also don't eat salt. You eat some salt, but definitely doesn't oh, eat. Oh, I, I use pepper. I don't use salt at all. Okay. I know. So none of the, the pasta joints that Guy Fieri has been to then. Oh, no, guys. we didn't do, we did not do any Guy Fieri pasta joints. We did a lot of other Guy Fieri joints. Uh, <laughs> a lot. I mean, some of these, there's one story in particular, which was we went to, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, we went to this incredible place called Arnold's Kitchen. Arnold's Country uh, Kitchen. Arnold's Country Kitchen. And it's a meat and three joint. So you go in and pull up a tray, you get a protein in three sides. And Paul became friendly with the owner there, Khalil Arnold. And Khalil sends Paul uh, a pie every year for the holidays. Oh just my from, goodness. Just from us going there. So you must have made quite an impression, Paul. I love banana pudding, collard greens, mashed potatoes with gravy, candy yams, and chicken dumpling. That's the kind of food I love in the South, Tennessee. And South Carolina, wow. very close states that I love in my life. Our listeners will have to excuse Merrick and I. Are th- I think our stomachs just started grumbling. Yeah, she's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, last but not least, could you please tell us about some of the fundraisers and possibly research projects that you're currently involved with or contributing? I'm going to explain. You can go first, Polly. I'm also involved with my Autism Science Foundation charity and 10 board members from my Polly's Promise March Madness group. I'm also a member of Fordham Austin Speaks in the Blocks. And the last one I'm involved is I'm a board member of the Ernie Ellis Foundation for Autism in Florida. And I've been busy with four things that I love what I do. And we really appreciate you being one of our advisory board members, Paul. Thank you, Mark. I, um, for me, Autism Science Foundation and understood.org are the two organizations I spend the most time with. Understood.org. Well, you've, you've heard, heard it here, listeners, um, some great, you know, projects that these guys are always involved with. And uh, we'll, we'll be sure to include um, information on those and, and how you can contribute in our show notes. So thanks, guys. I'm going to pass it over to Merrick here for some additional questions. Okay. So the first question I have to ask is for you, Jesse, how has Paul made you into an advocate for others with autism? Great question. I, some of it is just almost subconscious. I pause in this answer because Paul and I are two of a set of quadruplets. We're exactly the same age. And I had a front row seat to Paul's entire development. And obviously became a protective brother amongst other things early on, but I was also just fascinated to see Paul's progress. And we have such a supportive and incredible family and, and we're lucky, but I think a lot of, I was always curious as to what it was like in other homes with someone that had autism or, or learning and thinking differences and realized that my perspective was really unique and my voice could help those families if I ever came across them. Um, 
And through Paul was able to have a lot of exposure to other kids that had differences growing up. And so developed kind of like a very early understanding of the empathy it took and could actually feel it. But, in, but, but realistically, like a lot of this is just subconscious. It, it became part of my identity because of you know, what it was like growing up with Paul at such a young age. So, uh, Paul, what would you say in response to having a brother who cares so much about autism? One thing that he cares about my autism was, for me, speaking age five in 1992, uh, and I've been advocating a lot in a good way, and just understanding autism and learning disabilities with some developmental. And we, we, we do a lot of caring for a lot of reasons. And, and I'm helping them to understand autism, how could a person be nice? The ones that are not nice if they're lost, the ones that are nice, it's no one's problem, it's a good thing. Well, so the second question that I have here, um, which sort of has already been answered, I guess, by my uh, co-host questions to you all, is, uh, and this can be done with the both of you, is what is your favorite thing you have done with your brother? My favorite thing I've done with my brother is being close to him and going on trips every year, once a year, is my favorite part of me and Jesse. Like we announced it on the day of my birthday every year. And it's really, really cool since I was 28 years old. And I'm very, very lucky that I love the things I do. I love those trips also. I think my favorite part, maybe more specifically, is that Paul and I walk a lot, a lot. We're talking 25 or 30,000 steps a day in some of these cities. And I think my favorite part about our relationship, especially on these trips, is just exploring together uh, on foot. Uh, we, go, we typically go to cities that are very walkable. We, we, there was one day in Charleston, I remember we walked. It felt like all day long. It was, it was very special. Elves um, <clears throat> definitely do sound like very, very special and great moments. Um, and my third question is, what are you the proudest of your brother for? And it could be also answered by either one of you. And he, I, you know, one at a time. I'm proud of my brother because he's a hard worker. He's a business genius. I always care about the appreciation I do for my brother. And I'm very proud that Jesse graduated from Babson in 2009, the same year that I left CIB Berkshire in Lee Massachusetts, the, the day after I left, Jesse graduated. And you know what? We're very, very close to professional siblings. Me and Jesse are just unbelievable people in the world. Thanks, Paul. I'd say my, the thing I'm most proud of when it comes to Paul has to do with his self-awareness, which wasn't always there. But when he was a teenager, he could start to verbalize his differences and verbalize this idea of progress. And that verbalization turned into Paul giving speeches in Washington, D.C. in front of state senators and being in the audience of watching Paul give a speech in front of 500 people is a pretty amazing thing. Uh, I'm very proud of him for that. And definitely public speaking is not what everyone, what, it, what everyone can do. So, yeah, that's definitely something to be proud of. That's very impressive. So um, my last question for you all is, uh, you all are very close. Have you got any trips in the future planned for you all? Um, my trip is going to be either January 4th or 5th until the 8th of the night. I'm not really sure, depending on the release date of Washington State at Arizona State Men's Basketball and Tempe, Arizona, which is close to Phoenix. So we're going to fly, we're flying into Phoenix in January and we're going to uh, uh, Arizona State basketball game, which should be awesome. 
And then besides the game, I'm going to treat him for Matt's big breakfast, which is a triple D breakfast joint in Phoenix and Tempe. And I also want to take my bird to this tour of Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona, home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have a pool and they're really, really beautiful. I'm also a Major League Baseball ballpark fan, junkie, because I love ballparks when I visit. It's really, really cool. And then, et cetera. And we may have a pool swimming in a hotel or do something fun because I love the warm weather that makes you feel good. That's what I kind of talking about as a young kid. If you want to swim in the warm weather during the wintertime, you're going to feel hot and warm like a dry in the sky. Yeah, my co-host here is originally from the Chicago area. So uh, going from that to where we are right now in Florida, it's like night and day, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, not much desire to go back up north. <laughs> but that that mm -hmm. sounds like uh, an amazing trip you guys have planned, and uh, I'm sure you know you'll get some get some nice weather in in uh, Arizona that time of year. Is that I think it's Scottsdale, right? Is where Arizona State is. No, it's in Tempe. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to, what I really want to know, okay, is how people can follow the both of you on your journeys together. Is there like a blog or like a website or something that, you know, people can keep track of, you know, what's going on with the both of you? Because you all sound like you all have some very, very exciting trips and you know, I like to lead people into a direction to where it's like, oh, it's it's the journeys of Jesse and Paul. You know, you Warren's can find brothers. me. I usually post stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, it's where I usually talk about most of my uh, experiences with this category. We don't really have like a formal Jesse and Paul page or anything like that. Uh, so you can find me just Jesse Morris at LinkedIn. And I talk about different partners and a bunch of the other um, autism related companies we're investing in as well. Okay, so um, I really, really liked having the both of you on. And I think that our, that the people who are listening to us, um, they are definitely going to, they, they definitely have appreciated, uh, you know, the presence of the both of you. And you can really, really feel what some would say is the kind of a brotherly love that you have for each other. And it is really, really charming. And it's almost, dare I say it, magical even. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, American Nate. And thanks for bringing me and Jesse tonight on Zoom. Thank you, Jesse and Paul. Yeah, that was the first time we've had an interview with two brothers on. And I would say it was a smashing success. So I agree. Uh, really cool. <laughs> thank you both so much for our listeners today we have a very special guest interview on this episode while many of you may know about Liesl and Ernie Ellis and a lot of you probably know about Ben it is very important to acknowledge the role that his older sister Samantha Ellis has played in his life while it's great to have parents or cheerleaders for their son it is the siblings who will probably have the greatest impact on the total lifespan of the individual Men couldn't have a better sibling than a sister. As a sibling advocate, Samantha started the Sam Sibs together with the support of the Autism Science Foundation that advocates for discussions of siblings whose brother or sister has autism. This program has been very successful with not only the discussion pieces, but also the guest speakers that they have for their group. I will share a link to their website on my show notes. Earlier in the year, Ms. Ellis received the Karen Schwartzman Spirit Award on Wednesday, March 30th, along with the late co-founder of Autism Speaks, Mrs. Suzanne Wright, which goes to individuals who are great exemplars of advocating for their family members who have autism. Karen Schwartzman herself was a great example as she worked with the National Alliance on Autism Research and AAR Autism Speaks and the Autism Science Foundation. This event was the first held in person and virtual for a hybrid event. She had graduated from Stanford University, the Ivy League of the West, pursuing her major in human biology with concentration in global public health, and is live from New York, but not Saturday Night Live. 
Thanks for being on the program, Samantha Ellis. Before I begin, would you prefer to be called Samantha or Sam? I usually go by Sam. Thank you for asking. Okay. So the first question that I have for you is, what are some of your favorite qualities about your brother? And what shared interests do you both have? Uh, firstly, thank you for such an amazing introduction. Um, it's very humbling to hear some of my, uh, I guess, accomplishments listed out that way. To answer your question, uh, my brother is <laughs> impressive for a wide variety of reasons, but I would start by, you can't impress Ben any other way than just being a good person. He is impressed only by a person's true character. He taught me that you can tell a lot about a person by just hearing them laugh. And that's actually how he chooses his favorite people. He loves people who laugh deep from the belly, the kinds of laughs that people would often call ugly for being too big or too loud. But those are his favorites. Those are the ones that are real. You can't impress Ben by how much money you make at a fancy job or what clothes you wear or what car you drive, but just by how honestly and openly you can laugh. It's actually amazing. And one of my favorite things about him because it makes him a wonderful judge of character. His method of making people laugh actually also ties into our shared interests, which is animated movies. We adore animated movies like Kung Fu Panda or Rango or Frozen. I actually used to try and explain Ben's method of communication to people by referencing the movie Transformers. I don't know if you've seen it, Merrick. Um, one of the cars in this movie, its name is Bumblebee and its voice box is broken. And so it uses snippets of radio episodes in order to build sentences and communicate with people. And that's actually a really good example of how Ben communicates as well. So he'll take these little pieces of videos and splice them together and see what makes people laugh. And he's really good at it. And he'll always remember what made you specifically laugh. And every time if he might forget your name, he might forget your story, but he'll always remember how to make you laugh. And that to me is a really beautiful way of looking at the world. So yeah. I hope that answers the question. Well, I did, do remember uh, character of Bumblebee from the Transformers movies, and I do remember his way of communication, and I think that that is actually uh, very, very appropriate across the board for so many individuals with autism that I've met. Um, a lot of them like to quote the different movies and the different shows and the like that they've seen, and they like to share it with people, and it's it's very, very uh, charming to me. And I think that uh, you calling your brother, but basically the person who can pick anyone up when they're feeling down. That's what mm -hmm. it sounds like to me is that he has the spark or is this torch of vitality and of positivity. Mm -hmm. And he is, he is quite a funny guy. He does have <laughs> an excellent sense of humor. So yeah, he's, he's sharp nowadays, I must say. So what aspects of the Else for Autism Foundation are you most proud of? So I'm actually most proud of my parents' tenacity uh, in setting up Else for Autism. I was old enough when it was founded to recognize just how hard they were both working on this project. And I think it actually helped me learn a lot about them as people. They're very lead by example types. So they will rarely sit me down and have a talk in order to instill values in me, but instead they'll just go about their lives in a way that shows me, hey, we're the type of people who do difficult and meaningful work for others, especially for those who would otherwise be overlooked. I think the L Center of Excellence is the obvious shining star of the foundation. It's purpose-built nature has made it a uniquely beneficial place for the students that attend it. And I can say this because of the joy that Ben shows for going to school. Um, just recently, my cousin who is currently working at the center and so gets to see Ben while he's at school, sent us a picture of Ben just beaming with the biggest smile sitting at his desk. 
And I sent this picture to all of my family friends saying, can you imagine being this happy just to go to school? Um, And his speech has improved so much. And importantly, the way that he interacts with the world has been unlocked because of the skills that he learns at school. So he learns about how to recognize emotions in others, which in turn allows him to connect with them better. He's a very social kid, so this has been huge for him. And watching him try and build common conversations, like a classic, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. He's getting really good at these little keys that unlock the social worlds that people that aren't on the spectrum are more comfortable in. And I think that to me is the amazing part of the ELS Foundation and the ELS Center of Excellence is we're giving people a chance at the same quality of life that everybody else is sort of born into. You know, like I was not born with autism and I go about my life with a certain quality of life and my brother deserves that too. You know, he has so much to give to the people around him and he's brought so much into my life. And the L Center of Autism, yeah, it helps Ben, but it also helps the rest of the world be able to receive Ben and be able to both unlock gifts in Ben and allow him to unlock gifts that people might not have even known they had. Um, And I think that's what I'm most proud of. Excellent answer. Um, So given that siblings play a very important role in social development, could you tell us about some of the ways that sibs can help foster certain skills? Yeah, so I, think that siblings are critical because we're basically purpose-built for one another. I say for one another because my relationship with Ben is a two-way street, even if it doesn't always feel like it. I'm uniquely able to understand and connect with him because I've grown up right next to him. I grew up acting like his little translator to the world. Uh, Through spam sibs, I realized that our experience is actually not as unique in its difficulty as I thought it was. There's so many siblings that share the same pattern of relationships that Ben and I do. So in our case, and in many cases, the neurotypical, I guess I'll call um, them, sibling is acting like a bridge. We can bring our siblings into the world as well as bringing our world to our siblings. While Ben was still getting the hang of pronunciations and conversational tactics, I would translate for him and help people engage and understand him so that he could build relationships that way. Uh, Most of my closest friends nowadays will actually come over to the house to say hi to Ben, even when I'm gone, because they just adore him. I think that's the biggest piece of advice I could give to siblings to work on the relationship is that your relationship is going to be different from a lot of other ones, but that's also what makes it special. And the people that are very close in your life will love your sibling as well. Just show them your relationship, show them what makes it special. For me and Ben, that's me laughing with him about a video and engaging and bringing myself into his interests. He doesn't always have to match my interests. I mean, I don't expect him to come to New York all the time to come and visit me or to care about the biology that I studied at Stanford but we can both bond over a love of watching animated movies or a love of sports and being silly and running around or even just sitting in the same space as one another. I think reimagining what the sibling relationship looks like is really important to being happy with the relationship that you have. It doesn't have to be perfect in order to be positive. I hope that helped. Uh, it definitely did. I mean, in the end, everyone deserves some sort of love, no matter mm-hmm. who and what they are. And the fact that uh, Ben is receiving all this love is very important. Yeah, I think it's only fair because he gives out so much love, too. It's I can teach him a couple boring things, like how people like to converse, how that kind of the usual, hi, how are you? And then you wait, and then somebody else responds. I can teach him cadence in conversation like that, but he's taught me so much about how to just have fun in the world that it's definitely reciprocal. So um, what was it like growing up with a brother who has autism and how has he inspired you? 
So growing up with Ben is always what I call my normal. I haven't known anything different, actually. Uh, It's something that makes our relationship and all of the relationships that are like ours so special is that I don't remember life without him. So my whole life, it's just been us. You know, I we go about our days in a sort of normal way. I didn't actually notice that he really had autism. I thought it was just Ben up until we were about nine or I was nine and he was six. Uh, And he had a diagnosis long before that, but it just didn't really enter into our special little relationship. It was different, but it was ours. Uh, Growing up with Ben, I remember I was always excited to show him things and to introduce my friends to him. So we used to go to the same school back when we lived in England. And I remember I used to run over to his side of the playground and make sure that he was having as much fun as he possibly could. So I would push him around in a little truck. I would bring my friends over to him. And this used to be a big deal because technically we were allowed, we weren't allowed to be on the little kids playground anymore because we were too old. But my life with him has been a series of small events in which I relearn looking at the world. I see a different way that something could be done that could mean that Ben also gets to enjoy it. I remember just over the summer, we were trying to go go go-karting. And the only way we could go is if we (laughs) rented out the whole go-karting place and got him basically a lesson so that he could be in the sidecar with us. So we didn't end up being able to go that time, but I was talking to someone on the phone about how excited they were about the idea that we could make something more accessible. I think growing up with Ben is a lesson in patience, for sure. (laughs) I was not always perfect. Of course, every sibling relationship has arguments and that's natural. That's part of it. I think it's often overlooked that if you have a sibling that is uh, that thinks differently from the way that you do, sometimes you feel guilty if you get annoyed with them or you don't feel as though you're allowed to have trouble or arguments. But really, that's part of what being a sibling is. It's growing up together and everybody goes through growing pains, both physically and in their relationships. So he inspires me every day to not take myself so seriously. When we call on the phone, he still has me do the Tarzan noise, which I will save the listeners from today. But I have done that in airports. I have done that on planes and trains and in cars and very many, many shopping malls. And it he just keeps me humble. He doesn't care who's watching. He just wants to have fun with me um and I think that's part of the most inspirational thing about him well uh you want to save the listeners but I do want to sort of pitch in because I have no shame and I have no limit to my embarrassment but is it oh perfect yeah you got to drag out the end a little bit more it's more of a uh, he really likes the end <laughs> yeah that's that's basically that could be like a ringtone oh yeah every time oh, he yeah. calls it's that sound yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yep so uh can you explain sam Siv stick together yeah absolutely so sam Siv stick together actually started over the pandemic or i should say at least the idea of it started over the pandemic if not a little bit earlier I had been talking to Aaron at Else for Autism, Aaron Marino, for a long time about the idea of a podcast or a video series or even a blog, just talking about my experience as a sibling. Um, Of course, she works at the center and she talks to a lot of families and realized that the siblings were having very similar experiences, but were very rarely talking to other siblings about their experiences. It was At the time that we were talking about it, I realized I think I had met more people on the spectrum than I had met siblings of people on the spectrum, or at least I'd spoken to far more people on the spectrum um, at the time. And that seems kind of crazy because these are the people that are living sort of a parallel storyline to mine. They're the ones that have acted like little bridges and teachers and sisters and brothers and almost like moms and dads at different points. Uh, They've worn all of the same 
hats that I have, uh, so to speak. And in that, we realized that there's a lot of power in sharing stories. So while I was still in college, um, over the pandemic, we started Sam's Civistic together as a way to just connect siblings to one another at first, while also joining them with prominent researchers like Alicia Halliday at Autism Science Foundation and to licensed therapists like Kim Riccio as well. And from there, this little idea that we had grew into this webinar series that we have with guests coming on to talk about their research or incredible siblings that are coming to talk to us about the advocacy work that they do and about what they've done with their lives. And many of them have gone off to either go into law to be an advocate or go into investment to be able to bring more ideas to life about how to make life better and more accessible for our siblings and make the world just a more even place to live in. Um, and so it started off as the first couple of episodes for those who have seen them can see that, first of all, I'm not a very good moderator at the very beginning. I was very nervous and it's very funny to watch now. I would say I've gotten a bit better at it, but it was really an episode of a panel of siblings learning that their experiences were not happening in a vacuum. And we had questions from parents, we had questions from researchers, and we mainly just spent almost two hours, it took two separate episodes, just sharing stories and realizing how much we could learn from one another and how similar our experiences had been and learning from the differences therein. So now we have a website where there's resources for if you need a support group or if you're looking to join a research study or if you just want to see what sort of um, what sort of advocacy people are doing or what sort of resources exist in your area. We want this website eventually to grow into just a one-stop shop where if you're looking for any sort of sibling-related autism support or information, we might not be able to provide it to you, but we can at least tell you where to look. And so, yeah, right now, Sam Sibs, Sam Sibs Stick Together is an initiative to help bring siblings together so that we can look at research together, analyze it, and drive it forward, and also make it accessible. I think that's one of the most important missions that we have is to make the research that's happening about autism actually help people with autism. It's one thing to go and do the research and come out with an answer and say, wow, isn't that cool? And it's another thing to make it accessible to people so that they can also look at it and say, hey, that was a really interesting idea, but have you thought about it this way? And I think that's the future of it. So that's kind of past, present, and future for you. Yeah, it's certainly a very welcome project. Even if it does have a little bit of a tongue-tie, uh, tongue-twister kind of uh, aspect to it, but I still, it's also very yeah. catchy, you know? Uh-huh, that's, I mean, it sells, but dang, it's hard to say. <laughs> Yeah, maybe have a contest. Say it three times fast. Dance it together. Dance it together. Send it together. Okay, I think I tried it, and I think I, I succeeded. I think you beat me, given that I couldn't say it once. So I think you're definitely ahead in that competition. Yeah, but it's like I said before, though it's a very, very catchy title, and mm -hmm. it really, really says everything that you really need to know about mm -hmm. a group like this and about the mm -hmm. project or program like this because of how important it is that, you know, it's it, as important, like I said earlier in the introduction, um, a sibling to someone with autism or with any kind of condition or, you know, uh, disability or anything like that is uh, very, very important for them to, you know, uh, feel like that they're supporting the sibling who has something and feel like that they're also being supported too. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a sibling relationship can last for a great while, for many, 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 many years. And so mm -hmm. to actually build the foundations for 
uh, greater support and help for those who really want it, I think is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, how can I say it? What's the word? It's uh, very, um, I would say amicable, but that wouldn't really mm -hmm. define it. But it's, it's a very impeccable uh, way <laughs> yeah. of doing things. If that, yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I couldn't agree with you more. And you have a really good point there as well, saying that our relationship is going to be a very long standing one, you know, like this is, this is our life together. And that's kind of the way that I've always seen it and how a lot of siblings have always seen it. My dream house always involves having a room for Ben and having maybe a little cafe that he can work in if he ever wants to and he can show his videos to people and also help them order coffees and do fun things just a place where he can connect you know uh and i think that's part of what sam sibs stick together allows is a place for us to dream and a place for us to like build a better future for us and our siblings because usually those are going to be together yeah, so uh, speaking about all of this, what advice would you give to a sibling or someone with autism that may help them build a better relationship with their siblings? Mm, that's a good question. I think what helped me was patience with myself as well as patience with my siblings. As soon as you can get over the need to have your relationship be a certain way, I think we all have a hope for what our relationships look like, or at least I do. I always want the best possible relationship between me and Ben. I want every call to be happy and full of stories and engaging. I want every visit to be memorable and big, but that's not always possible. And the more that I can realize that, hey, Ben's allowed to have days where he doesn't necessarily want to talk to me and that's okay and I'm allowed to have days where I'm tired and I need to take a break and sometimes singing Frozen in 15 different languages is not easy and it's allowed to be tiring and that's a normal part of having that relationship so I would say number one is having patience both with yourself and with your sibling and number two is there will always be a common ground somewhere. It might be really weird. It might take a long time to find, but there will be something that both of you can look at and enjoy. And all it is is a matter of finding it. And it's allowed to take time because that goes back to the patience piece. And I think that's what I would tell my younger self and thereby the sort of advice I can give to a different sibling that might be struggling. So that kind of sounds like a little bit like if you're feeling nervous, let it go. Yeah. Uh, according yeah. to the according to the people who wrote the lyrics uh, for uh, the Frozen uh, soundtrack, <laughs> I guess. Let it go. Oh my gosh! Yeah, immediately triggered. I have sung that. I think Russian was the most difficult language to sing it in, but they have a compilation where they sing it in 15 different languages. Let me tell you, that was Ben's favorite video for maybe seven months. I had to recite that many, many times. Thankfully for this podcast and sadly for the world, I have forgotten the lyrics, but it was a tough period. <laughs> I can try to run the original lyrics through a Google Translate program and see how accurate it is. But uh, <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, not, not to put you on the spot, um, mm -hmm. But I do have a bonus question for you since we sort of talked about this. Um, mm -hmm. What is your favorite animated feature? For me, it's like kind of a three-way between Yellow Submarine, The Lion King, and also mm -hmm. Spirited Away. So what's your favorite? Oh, my gosh. Well, you have my heart with Studio Ghibli. So I am absolutely obsessed with Spirited Away. I think my favorite that Ben actually showed me is Rango. It is one of the strangest animated pieces that probably has ever been made. And I cannot get enough of it. I think when I was living with Ben, we used to quote it back and forth, one another all the time. But I still accidentally quote it to my partner now all the time. And he hasn't seen the movie recently. And so he has no idea what I'm saying. 
but I can always quote it to Ben. So yeah, Spirited Away is my personal favorite uh, from the time when I was a little kid, and Rango is my shared favorite with my brother. Yeah, it was uh, best, uh, it won a Best Animated Feature a few, some Oscars ago. Mm -hmm. And it was also more unusual because it was a Nickelodeon production. Usually the Disney Pixar umbrella, that, those are usually the winners. So it it was an unusual movie and I really, really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it too. I mean, there are so many animated movies and one Mm -hmm. of the big lessons that I guess I would tell anyone, almost like a... I wouldn't say that it's too implicit, but no matter how old you are, there is no such thing as being too old to see an animated teacher. It doesn't really matter how old you are. I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us for this interview. And I uh, really, really appreciated uh, your time talking to us. And I think that Anyone um, listening to this episode will find a lot to cherish and value um, regarding, especially if they are siblings of individuals with autism, they will find a lot to love about this episode. And you did an outstanding job with uh, basically giving so much to people who really feel like, you know, even if they're struggling, They'll, they'll listen to this and go, yeah, well, this is someone who will provide uh, great guidance to us. I guess that here's to hoping that there will eventually be a Sansip Stick Together podcast. Yes. Fingers crossed. You'll be my very first guest. Yes, absolutely. Someone <laughs> has told me to do this before, but I will let you know when I eventually get to it. It'll be awesome. Well, that's kind of the ironic thing because I am an only child. So, and I actually described that a little bit later on in the episode, but I am an only child and I'm, you know, but I've, when I was growing up though, my first cousins were the people who I was asked to look upon as my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. because even if they're not immediate to me, they were close mm-hmm. enough that I could look at them as my brothers and sisters. So if you really want to do something, um, one of my cousins would be good as in the sibling role. And I would be the individual, of course, with autism. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you talked about how Ben's thoughts worked, um, mm-hmm. I uh, thought to myself, yeah, that's a lot like how my brain works too, where, you know, I just pick up and I don't know how much I impress people, but it's like they say something and I automatically mm-hmm. go to some cultural element, like a song title or a movie title or a movie mm-hmm. quote or something like that. And it just, it's not that, it's not like I can just shut it off. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can call that the bumblebee brain. <laughs> <laughs> bumblebee brain. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have that to a certain degree as well, for sure. But it's always fun when people kind of get it. When people catch the references the first time, it's always the best feeling. But I would love to have you on the podcast, siblings or not. I had a very similar relationship with my cousins as well. So I can completely understand that that bond is still close enough to be called almost sibling-like. So uh, absolutely uh, knocked knocked it out of the ballpark. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed this immensely. This is my first ever podcast. So hopefully it's a good episode and you don't have too, too much to edit afterwards. But I have had a wonderful time. And thank you so much for your questions and your incredibly kind introduction and words. I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. A moth is a butterfly without any colors, but what's beautiful is what's inside. Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide. 
Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around Knowledge in my head, but my feet on the ground Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky Like a butterfly I wish that I could fly so high Oh, like a butterfly I fly into the air so high Oh, like a butterfly Like a bird, I was meant to soar I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours You can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind In the future your eyes will light up To think that I was once a poor caterpillar Will grow up and take to the sky like a flock of butterflies I wish I could fly so high Oh like a butterfly I'll fly into the air Now I can fly so high